What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So I decided to go ahead and partner on. And um, once we shook hands, that was like January 5th, January 18th, he turned himself in. Man, so he's like, yeah, sis, it's down in Miami. Um, we have to pay $4,000 to get out of the shop. <laughs> oh, already? Oh, man, you just took over. Wait, wait, $4,000. Oh, he hit you with the flim flam. Flim flam, like, wait a minute now. But he was, man, so before, oh he, got, before he went to prison, he was showing me, like, settlements and everything. I'm like, okay, we rolling, we good. He didn't show you no bills, though, did he? He didn't show me the bills. <laughs> Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches, life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. Hustle fam, hustle fam, we are back with another amazing episode. And today I am here with my homie, Easy Money Oshile. <laughs> Easy Money Ash, what's good, girl? What's going on? Man. It's a lovely day in Atlanta. It I is. It, it is a lovely day. I'm glad to have you down here. Thank, Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, uh, Ash is a trucking boss. Um, she, uh, LHL Transport, right? Mm-hmm. And Paramount Carriers. Mm-hmm. See, look at that. I got that. Mm-hmm. Um, man, and you do a lot more. You're an all-around entrepreneur, right? So we're going to get into it. We're going to get into all that, everything you got going on in transportation. But we're going to start with your backstory, figure out how you got here to where you're at today. Do you mind doing that? Is that cool? No. All right. Well, let's get into it. So talk to me, Ash. Tell me a little bit about coming up, your your backstory, where you're from. Yeah. So I'm originally from born in Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. And from there, I kind of, my mom, she ended up getting a better job. So we moved over to Jacksonville. So from the time when I was in like seventh grade on up, I was in Duval County, Jacksonville, Florida. So um, what's Duval like? Duval. <laughs> I keep everybody else about Duval. Duval. Man, Duval, Duval must be special. Duval is special. What's it's, so special about it's it? It's definitely grimy. It's rough. Okay. So you know, getting through there, you kind of gotta find your way and stay on the right track with the right crowd, because mm. it's like one of those things where you could get caught up in the culture and get caught up with what's going on in your surroundings gotcha. and forget about who you are and who what your purpose is. Okay. So what helped me get out of that <laughs> was going to college and from there I went to Florida A&M University, Tallahassee, Florida. Okay, tell me about that. How was your college experience? It was amazing. Um, that's where I got my real, real big break with being an entrepreneur because while I was in college, of course I was trying to figure out myself mm-hmm. and what I want to do in life. Right. So while I was in college, um, I got to the point of being a junior and from there it was time to do those interviews. Okay. Right? Those interviews, I majored in business. So okay. it was time to do those interviews with like, uh, Price Waterhouse Coopers, oh. the big. So you're getting into accounting. Accounting. I had a lot of accounting knowledge. Okay. So I I thought to myself, why not you know interview for um, one of those big four companies? Maybe I'll get chosen. Okay. Or um, and also I wasn't limited to a target um, because I I focused on general business. Okay. So I knew a lot about accounting, marketing, um, financial. What was your major? Business. Business in yeah. general. Okay, so yep. you had a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Yep, but during my major, I had to take like 12 accounting courses. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it was intensive. Our, our, um, our curriculum at Florida A&M is synonymous with Harvard's curriculum. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the dean, when she created the curriculum some time ago, when she created it, they actually were testing it over at Harvard, and she also had um, a relationship with Harvard. So a lot of that curriculum that she had gained there, she also had it over at Florida A&M. Interesting, yeah. interesting. All right, so, so so tell me about college. So you said you, you're taking all these courses, you're yeah. interested in accounting, 
And yeah. you said you started interviewing for big four, big yeah. four companies. Yeah, big four companies. Like I said, any any big company because we attract a, a lot of Fortune 500 companies. Right. And so while I was there, it just wasn't, it didn't feel natural to me. You know, when I was interviewing with them and I felt as if I was selling myself short. Mm. So while I was there, um, I thought about getting into the food truck industry, but I, I really wasn't that talented at cooking. Okay. Okay. What made you what made you want to get into food trucks? Um, what attracted you to that industry? Because it was like the big thing at, at that time. time. Yeah, it okay. was like the big thing. And I just wanted to do something different. Okay. You know, so it was just starting up with getting to boom. But I wanted to take it a whole nother route. Gotcha. So, what, what year is that? This, let's put it in context. In context, this is about 2000 and... It's about 2012. No, no. About 2010, okay. 11. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So food trucks are booming. Mm -hmm. You want to get into that business. What happens next? So what happens next was differentiation. I wanted to get into the business. However, I didn't want to do what everybody else did. Plus, I wasn't all that good of a cook. <laughs> Um, okay. I was gonna start with just hot dogs. Uh, okay. okay. All right. <laughs> I was gonna start with just hot dogs and make them creative. Right. So um, after I thought about it, it just wasn't resonating with me. So um, I love fashion. I always love jewelry, as you can see. I no love doubt. jewelry. Bling, bling. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to open up my own clothing store. Okay. So instead of using the food truck for food, I gutted out the food truck. Got it out, redid the floors, redid the walls, and turned it completely into a fashion store. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. That's dope. So you so you basically just kind of, you had this accounting background, mm -hmm. but you were like, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. So you wanted to follow more of an entrepreneurial path and just do something different. Yeah. All right, cool. So you got out the food truck, what was supposed to be the food truck, and you make it a clothing store. Mm -hmm. What's the name of that line? Casa. Casa. Yeah. What's that, like house? Mm, like C-A-S-A? K-A-S-A. K-A, what it, what it mean? It meant keep addictive style alive. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Casa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was more so embracing your true style and keeping it keeping it natural, keeping it fresh. Okay. So that's where I went with it. And I would just grab and source dope ideas, dope, dope pieces from L.A. Okay. So back then, my mom lived in L.A. and I went to stay with her for um, a spring break. And during that full spring break, I just ventured out in LA and stumbled upon the fashion district. Mm. And so so I what was this, what, what type of clothes? Was it like streetwear or like more like chic stuff? Like what type of fashion? Yeah, I went more so down the urban wear slash bohemian chic. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's a whole story because I ended up getting rid of that line and just focusing solely on sunglasses and jewelry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got you. So how long do you sell the clothes for? Oh, man. So um, I ended up recruiting some other classmates within the business school and within um, the marketing uh, discipline. So mm -hmm. we would go to what's called Set Friday every week and we would set up and um, we would sell and we would make sure we was up to date on the latest fashions. We would get with the DJ and have him promote us. And on weekends, we would also go to like different fairs mm. and set up. But um, pretty much like what what really was the best thing was I was able to give opportunity to those who didn't have that type of opportunity because they were getting overlooked by those Fortune 500 companies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got you. So so after the clothing line, you said mm -hmm. you, you you now you're ditched down to just glasses, mm -hmm. right? How long did you how long did you do that? Yeah. So I went. I did that all the way until. I guess my second year out of college. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Was the clothing business profitable for you? Did, was it a good business model? Like, what'd you think about it? Like in hindsight, looking back. In hindsight, it was mostly profit. Okay. It was mostly profit because I was getting the shades for like maybe a dollar fifty each, okay. and then I could sell them for like twenty dollars, okay. twenty five dollars. Ten dollars, right. whatever. So it was highly profitable, very. Dope. But it was just um, it got to the point where I wasn't in college anymore, so. I, um, after getting out of college, I kept it going for a couple of years, but I just didn't, I didn't keep up with the styles mm, as much as I should. Gotcha. And it, it was very intensive with that. Okay. So that's when I ended up selling the business. Okay. So you sold the business. What'd you do next? 
So after I sold the business, um, I got back into corporate and by that time I was in Charlotte. And so when I was in Charlotte, I was able to um, get recruited by one of the largest freight brokerage firms in the country, which is XPO. Okay. And that's why I first got my real taste into the trucking industry. How, how'd that happen? How did you even, you know, become attractive to or attracted to HPO, like how'd that whole thing work out? Because you weren't doing logistics prior to this. Mm -mm, okay. mm -mm. Nope, I wasn't doing logistics prior. Um, prior to this, I had just, like I said, I had just moved up to Charlotte. And when I got there, I just did a bunch of networking and also had my, my um, clothing store with me. So I would be out downtown networking and I came across this um, this recruitment agency. Okay. And so they had a large client, which they didn't let me know who it was at first, mm. but they showed them my resume. They, they um, ended up giving me an interview. I interviewed for like three rounds and ended up landing a position as a staff accountant within okay that brokerage firm. And how, how was that? Oh man, it was, it was my first taste of real money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my okay. first taste because I was responsible for $2 million a week. Okay. So um, entry level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Entry level, fresh out of college. And, um, I became a project manager in that department, um, because I was, I was, learning the system so fast and I was able to um, get that information back out to my leader at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up um, being able to onboard some of their newest systems that they have. Mm. And onboarding means for me in that department meant I was able to um, get a first insight on what they will bring to the table at a higher level and okay. then i will be able to learn to learn what the system was and then disseminate the information to our team okay got you so were you were actually were you actually brokering freight at that time or you were doing like another another discipline in there like you weren't brokering freight no i wasn't broken freight brokering freight i was counting all the money from the got brokerage. you got you got you so when you say you're responsible mm -hmm. for the two million um, that means, like you said, you're, you're, you're counting the money. You're not mm -hmm. really actually making the money. No, I'm not broken. <laughs> you're not no. broken. No, I'm okay. counting the money that has been made, that has been made. By, by those brokers. Okay. And I'm making sure that we're paying out those who have completed the work for yeah. us yep. and also the other third party. Got you. Got you. Okay. So how long do you stay with XPO? Oh, I stayed with XPO for about about two years. Did you remain in the same position or did you do anything different within within the organization? Mm, mainly my first, the first year I spent most times just learning the inside of what they had going on. Okay. So I definitely, it was an entry level position. So as I went through getting my knowledge from them and in turn giving them my knowledge that I had learned from college, right. I was mainly developing what was going on within the staff accounting department. Okay. And then from there, I became more so of a leader in being able to understand the newer systems and give them to, um, to our department as a whole. Gotcha. So I mainly stayed within that realm. Gotcha, so you said you were there for two years? Yeah. Okay, so when you left, what did you take away from there? What was the main, the key takeaway that you learned working with XPO? Oh, I knew there was a ton of opportunity within tr the trucking industry that um, a lot of minorities didn't know about, um, especially in my um, in my full circle of who I had around me. They mm -hmm. didn't know what was going on, and um, I just thought it was a it was an untapped industry that I had never been exposed to. But I wanted more of it. I just didn't know how. Right. So, but I couldn't stay within that 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 small confinement for right. long. So that's when um, I decided to move to Atlanta because I felt I needed more and I always wanted to move to Atlanta. And that's why I'm here today. So you, cause like you said, you were counting the money. So you yeah. saw the, the money transfer and how the money was flowing. So like you said, you knew there was a huge opportunity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So moving to Atlanta, did you know that you were going to get into the trucking industry or transportation at that point? Um, I wanted to, I just didn't know how. I didn't know how. I moved here thinking I was going to, you know, continue on with business in some realm, but it wasn't clear to me how I was going to do it. So at that time, uh, my wife, she had a food, she was getting into the idea of owning a food truck. Okay. And so we were going down that path. However, there was another story that came upon us. 
So she approached me with the story of, hey, could you help my brother with his business, being that you know a lot about the back office part, you know about the accounting side, could you help him with his business? Mm. I said, what's going on? So she said, he's about to go to prison. So he needs someone to help him and really organize his business. Right. I didn't know what was going on, and I just thought I would be doing just accounting <laughs> stuff. That's it. That's all I really knew. Right. But I knew I have a strong background in business, so I knew I could run a business because it pretty much transfers over okay. you know, a lot of those skills. So this is a trucking business that, yeah, that, that this, we're talking about here. Yep, this and, is a trucking and business. And what's the size of this business at that point? One truck. Okay, yeah, one truck. One old truck. One an old truck, man. This was a year 2000 truck. Okay, yeah. okay. One old truck, but yeah. he's about to go to prison, so mm-hmm. they need somebody to take over. Yeah. All right, so what happens? Man, um, so we talked. We had a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, at this time, we had we didn't have a relationship developed. So okay. on our first conversation, he was like, hey, sis, I'm glad to hear from you. Yeah, I got a truck, and it's down in Miami. And I'm just, man, I'm about to go to prison, and I need some help. No one else wants to help me, and this and that. Right. And so and, and not, that all translated to me as they didn't know how. Right. Because going back to when I was in Charlotte, I didn't see many of us there. I didn't. No one ever talks about how lucrative trucking was back then. They never talked about it. Right. So I knew that it was foreign to them. That's why they wasn't involved as much. Right. So, um, and it's, trucking wasn't sexy. It's not sexy. Right, <laughs> right, right. It's only really becoming to get sexy now, right? That's like people, it. Now it's becoming trendy, but back then it was like trucking. Trucking? <laughs> <laughs> right, get out of here. That's not, that's for Billy Bob and them. You know right, what I'm saying? Billy Bob and them. That's it. So... All right, guys, Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now, let's get back to the show. So um, during that time, we had our conversation, and from there, I could tell he was passionate about it, but he just didn't have that knowledge, okay. you know, to keep a sustainable business going. Okay. So I decided to go ahead and partner on, and um, once we shook hands, that was like January 5th, January 18th, he turned himself in. Mm, got yeah. you. Yeah. All right, so what happens next? He's out the picture, mm-hmm. you're running the show. Yeah. What happens? Oh, man. (laughs) So, man, so he's like, yeah, sis, it's down in Miami. Um, We have to pay $4,000 to get it out of the shop. (laughs) Already? (laughs) Man, you just Uh, took over. Wait, wait, $4,000? He hit you with the the flim flam. (laughs) Flim flam. Like, wait a minute now. But he was, man, so (laughs) before he he went to prison, he was showing me, like, settlements and everything. I'm like, okay, we rolling. We good. He didn't show you no bills, though, did he? He didn't show me the bills. (laughs) You right. He didn't show me the bills. Oh, my God. Golly. So, so yeah, he hit me with the 4,000. So, before he before he turned himself in, also he um, drove the truck up to Jacksonville okay. to a more familiar territory. Okay. And um, once I got there, man, it was in the shop there. Okay. So he had driven it up there, put it in the shop, and um, he it was four thousand down in Miami. And so to get it up there, yeah. From there, we ended up we ended up finding out that the injectors one of the one of the injectors went bad as well. Mm. So we had to change that out. So right. that was another fifteen hundred dollars. Oh man! Yeah, so I was in it. So you fifty five in the red already. Yeah. Just just getting started in yeah. your leadership role. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, after going to the mechanic that weekend, because mm-hmm. I was only doing weekends down there, I wasn't living there. I was in Atlanta. Right. So um, I went back home and I would just always sit like, okay, what's going on with my truck? What's right. going on with it? And how am I going to get it to Atlanta? Right. So um, in order to move it. Uh, I would have to call people all the time and I'll have to say, hey, could you go move my truck from this point to this point? Mm. Because it, it, it couldn't sit. You know, when trucks sit, they start to break down. Right. And I just knew that from cars, too. They need right. to be crank up. So right. I would have somebody go crank it up or somebody move it from point A to point B. And it started to get expensive. Mm. I didn't want to keep doing that. Right. And plus, I'm trying to 
hurry up and get the business started and rolling because as it sits, it just started to accumulate more bills, you know, with paying for parking. Right. And having someone go look at it or um, crank it up for me. I said, man, I need to know what's going on with this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's why I decided to, okay, now I think I need to get my CDL. Mm. So how long did Chuck sit before you made that decision? Oh, before I made that decision, it sat, man, I'll say about, it sat ongoing for probably about a, oh, about a year. About a year. Yeah, it sat ongoing because, I mean, from the time that I decided to get my CDL, yeah, it's, it sat from that time all the way to the point where I could afford to get it rolling, get it towed up to Atlanta and get something going right, on, right, some right, type right. of revenue generated. Right, right. So it sat for some time. But um, actually from when I got my CDL to going back to when I had first gotten the truck, it was about, about, i say about, about a good six months. Okay, yeah. okay. Got you. So you go and you get your CDL. How was that experience? Man, so that experience was, it was different, but I liked it because I was already an owner. Right. So it was like I was ahead of everybody else. Right, everybody right. else was talking about, oh, I can't wait to own get a, a truck. I can't, no, they was talking about, I can't wait to get a truck. To get a truck and you already there. I was already got there. Got you, got you, you got know? you, got you, got you. Yeah. All right, cool. So you had that advantage. So it's like you you were working towards something. It's like once I get the CDL, I can jump in this truck mm-hmm. and I'm ready to go. I didn't even want to jump in the truck. <laughs> I just wanted to stop paying the guy <laughs> to who move was it around. moving it for me. Gotcha. That's all I did. I wanted at that point. <laughs> right, right. So I just wanted to stop paying him. Okay. But then as I went, I wanted to gain more interest, more knowledge into the industry. So the only way I could do that was to go undercover as an actual driver. Mm. So once I got out of CDL school, I ended up going to work for KLLM okay. for like, a month. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I went over the road for like four weeks with my trainer, and she still calls me to this day. Yeah. Yeah. She's what like, What What'd you learn? What'd you learn there at oh, that time? A lot. Yeah. A lot. Okay. That was the real real trucking at that point. Gotcha. It wasn't paperwork anymore. Mm. We was out on the open road, um, no bathrooms, uh, open open hills, mountains. Um, we drove from Atlanta up to Hershey, Pennsylvania. It was beautiful. Gotcha. Very beautiful. That was my favorite part of the whole experience, experience. Because I could see like different places that I had never been before and see different sites that I've never seen. And it was it was a breath of fresh air from being out of corporate. And right. it was it I gravitated towards it. Mm. Yeah. So you developed a love for it. I did. You enjoyed it. I did. All right. So what happens with that? You 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 done with them with oh, what a O T what's the name of the company? K L L M. K L L M. Oh yeah. yeah. So K L L M. You said you were there for like a couple months, a month month or so? One month. Okay. One month. One month. That's it. Straight up. One done. Month. That's it. Finito. That's it. What's the plan after that? After that, XPO calls me back. XPO calls you back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So while I was in trucking school, I ended up putting in an application like, hey, I'm going over to to the driving side. What can we do? Mm. So they saw my resume and they called me because I had previously worked with them up in North Carolina. So it was easier to get that interview, easier gotcha. to get my foot in the door with no experience. Just okay. one. And I was local on top of that. And everybody knows, like, um, when you're an over-the-road driver, most people, they dream of just being local. Right. So lo- going local fresh out of school, that was unheard of. Right. So I went local fresh out of school, and from there, it was just another uphill battle. <laughs> Talk about it. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Where do I begin? Where do I begin? <laughs> Where do I begin? I'm at the beginning. What happens? Yeah. So my truck is still down in Jacksonville at mm-hmm, this point, mm-hmm. and I'm there working, and I'm trying to learn from the ground up, literally. So um, working with them, I had to do my pickups, about 12 pickups, mm. 10 deliveries. Mm. Then after I would do all that during the day, then I would have to come back to work and unload the truck. Whoo! Physically. They got you up in the freight. What? You, you, you doing it, for real. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I was a real Pallet truck jacks? 
No, forklift. Forklift? Pallet okay. jacks. Okay. And then, of course, if it, it will fall off yeah. the forklift <laughs> so or you the pallet jack. Build it, build it back up, build the pallet. Wrap, wrap it, it up. Shrink oh, wrap. Man, you ain't supposed to be doing that work. What? Oh, exactly. Man, that's crazy. They didn't know who I was. <laughs> I was great. undercover. They right. didn't know. Right, right, right. They didn't know I was a queen for real. <laughs> I was coming to America. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. So, c- continue. I'm listening. Yeah. So, man, I was rebuilding those pallets. But all the while, I'm learning. I'm right. thinking. I'm breathing like a truck driver. I'm getting my hands dirty. Right. And I'm learning what I want my truck drivers to do and what I don't want ah, them to do. Right. Right. So, right. to this day, I don't force my drivers to touch any freight. Mm. You know, it's just more dangerous for them. Right. <laughs> right. And more of a liability for you. More of a liability for me. No doubt. So, to this day, we don't do any touch freight. Mm. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I was learning about that side of things and um, just just tightening up my skills with driving. Okay. So while I was there, I guess another another probably about nine months passed, and I had finally got my truck up to um, Jacksonville okay. with the help of one of their maintenance people. Okay. So okay. I was networking, man. Yeah, I yeah, had yeah. befriended one guy in their maintenance department and he had come down to Jacksonville with me and for the longest I had stopped paying this guy to um come crank it up mm-hmm. because it was just like I can come down there. But I was like uh, missing times to come down right, there. Right, right. So I couldn't get it crunk at one point. So I had I went and um, talked to the guy in the maintenance department. I was like, hey, I got a truck. Can you help me out with it? Right. This guy was so nice. He literally came all the way down to Jacksonville from Atlanta, brought his tools with him. All I had to do was pay for a room, and he got my truck back up and running. Wow, dope. Yes, very dope. Okay. Yeah, so I would talk to him a lot. Um, I would pay attention to the truck that I was in back in um, XPO. I would pay attention to that truck, each truck because they had internationals, Freightliners, um, they had Sterlings. All, these are all different types of trucks. Yeah. And I was getting in and out of them and I would pay attention to how they run, pay attention to how they sound, smell, felt when it drive, mm. you know, because I knew I wanted to own more than just one truck. Gotcha. And I didn't want to focus on just one brand. So I wanted to be versatile and knowing what I know. I already owned the Volvo, so I know pretty much how that is. Right. So I wanted to test out the others. So I paid attention to what was going on with the maintenance, and that gave me another one up on um, other individuals because they would hop in the truck, and if something was wrong with it, they'll immediately hop out and get into the next one. They went and take it to the shop and listen to what was going on with mm. it to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Got so you. I took that time okay. with him to learn. Keep, keep on going. I'm, I'm listening to the story. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I was there, and I finally got the truck back up to Atlanta. Uh-huh. And when I got up to Atlanta, I had to find more truck parking okay. because I wasn't quite ready for it to get out there because I was still doing my research on who I wanted to lease it on to. Mm. And in the meantime, it was still a headache because now I found that it had really bad oil leaks. So... I was like, man, this truck is taking me through it. Right. What else am I going to do? So I just started researching on ways of getting into trucking. Okay. And um, I didn't want to let my brother down. Okay. You know, because he entrusted me with one of his only assets. Right. And if he come back home and I done sold it and I have nothing to show <laughs> for it, <laughs> what am I going to do? Right, right, right. I done gave him my word. Right. And I'm like very loyal and I, I'm a go-getter and I'm hungry, you right. know. So I was super hungry that time to even take on a whole new career that it was so foreign to me. For sure. A whole new identity. 100%. So, um... So, yeah, while I was recreating myself, I was also thinking of how I could be different. Again, how I could be different. So what I noticed that um, there was not many, it was a lot of people wanted to own trucks, but they had no business background. Right. Nothing. They right. were great at what they did, been driving for maybe 20 years right. or two years, but have no business background. Right. So that's when I came up with the idea. I said, okay, well maybe I could start an asset management company Mm. to where I could just manage the asset, understand, I can let the investor know, or the driver know, let the investor know that their truck is at point A and let them know how much the truck made, let them know that the payroll has been ran. If the driver calls in the middle of the night, they don't have to call the investor, they could call me. Mm -hmm. I could be the actual manager and run this thing and I can negotiate a deal for a percentage per week 
or actual equity within the truck. So, mm. yeah, so that's when I approached one of my first investors and we got into this deal together and the rest is history. Mm. And that's when I started to do my asset management business from there. Got you. So yeah. when you're managing assets, are you also dispatching the trucks as well? Or are these trucks leased on to another carrier and then you're just managing like the back end for them? Well, for me personally, today, they're leased on, they're with me. Right. They're with me. But at but, that time. But at that time, no, they were leased on to other companies. Got you. Yeah. Got you. So yeah. so how, how was that experience, that first business in trucking? How'd that go? You said you started with one. Mm -hmm. What'd you build that to and, and how'd, that, how, how'd that work? Yeah. So I just started with that one truck, but um, that Volvo, the okay. older truck. Yeah. So when I, was, when I was in the trenches, literally, with that Volvo, it was hard for me to maneuver with it and I just ended up having to sell it. Mm. And so when I sold it, I still, you, I used that money to get my own authority started okay. with that money. Okay. So we did that and also we ended up um, continuing on and getting our own trucks. But at that time I ended up selling it and then we started our own our own trucking company mm -hmm. with our own authority, but we had the asset management within it, and we also brought on the investors as well. Got gotcha. you. So that's how that came about. Got gotcha. you. So, so okay. So now you have your own trucking company. Mm -hmm. how, how, how many trucks do you start with for your own trucking company? Because you sold your one. You mm -hmm. sold the, the truck that you probably should have sold a long time ago. <laughs> finally, I couldn't. <laughs> you finally I, got rid of that. I couldn't. Right. So, yeah. so did, how, did you buy just one truck or two trucks? What you what you start out with? Yeah, so with that, started out with two. Okay, yeah. started out with two. Yeah. All right, and now you, but you're, and you're managing how many trucks in the asset management company? Mm, I'm still managing. At that point, I'm managing a two plus one more. Okay, so like three trucks you're managing. Yeah. And you're, and you're, now you're starting your own trucking company. Yeah. What, what is your trucking company? What's your niche? What are you doing? Yeah, so for my trucking company, my current? No, 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 at that, that time. At that time? Yeah, we're still, we're still building the story up, so yeah. at that time. So at that time, we're still, we're focused on just driving at that point. Okay, driving. Yeah, right. and so we're focused on partnering with companies that does drive in because I came from the drive in background with XPO. So okay. that's what I was familiar with and that's what I knew. And I knew it paid. So um, I did my research and we had to, um, I ended up having the investors lease on with companies like um, Great Wide. They was really good. Okay. And uh, we tried with Landstar, but Landstar, they didn't move fast enough. Okay. So Great Wide had um, dedicated freight, and I knew um, back then that dedicated freight was like upper echelon. You know, that would keep the cash flow coming in. Right. So we mainly focused on drive-in. Okay. Point. Okay. Got you. So how big do you grow that part of the trucking company to? that part of the truck like company. the truck like tr the trucking company how big do you go that to like how many trucks mm, the asset management the as side no not the asset management side mm -hmm. your trucking company my trucking company yeah. oh so at this to now or just then then but still just then. just then yeah like like how does it like tell me like in the first couple years or so mm -hmm. where are you at oh well we're still within our growth range okay at that point we've had well during that time we had about four of them just running okay Four of them. So these trucks built our first, you know, foundation. Okay. And during that, it's only it had been maybe like a year. Okay. So a year had passed by, and we focused on still building within the um, within the drive-in and within the drive-in sector. Niche, yep. Yeah, in that niche. And so we from there we pulled away from going with the third party because just to back up it wasn't making enough money gotcha it wasn't making enough money for what my liking was and also what the investor liking was gotcha you know we didn't want to just take home pull away a thousand dollars we didn't want to do that we knew that it was more out there and so when we started that um when we started our authority taking the trucks from off of these lease companies only made sense because on our authority we was bringing in so much more gotcha. so the investor was able to take away about two double than versus being on with the um leased on company 
Got you. So that's how we were able to grow up to four. So were you uh, doing, uh, did you have any dedicated lanes or did, were you on low boards? How were you getting freight when you started your own, when you started using your own authority? Yeah, so when point? I started using my own authority, Amazon was my best friend. Mm. No lie, Amazon. How'd you get introduced to Amazon? Amazon, I got introduced to Amazon with Boss Truck Chris. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got you, got yeah. you, Chris Bright. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt. So, man, we used to chat it up a lot, me, um, Chris and Justin. Okay. We came up around the same time with like just really getting it out there and up and running and multiplying. Yeah. You know. So when um, when me and Chris would talk, I told him about what I had going on with the drive-ins, and so he was like, "Yeah, I'm dealing with Amazon." And so one of my investors had mentioned Amazon to me, but I was like, "Okay." We may can try them, but I need to see what's going on with their numbers first. Right. I'm like that every time. I don't want to jump off of one thing with, you know, and commit into another without understanding what's going on with that situation. Right. So I spoke with um, Chris, and he was like, yeah, this is how you do it, da 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 And then from there, we just started rocking with Amazon. Now, is this the relay? <coughs> yeah, okay. relay. So getting it off of their load boards, however, we was just trying to like dedicate ourselves to them, but mm -hmm. still keeping our eyes out on what was going on on the actual free market load board because right. um, with the free market load board, they still had better paying freight, but Amazon was consistent. Right, what's, what's the most important uh, thing that you, what, what do you feel is most important when, as you were working with Amazon mm -hmm. um, to kind of keep your business going? What, what, what KPIs did you have to kind of pay attention to? Mm. I would have to say what was most important with working with them was understanding the fuel um, because the way they pay their pay structure is like a week out. So we just had to make sure we was on top of it when it came to fuel and also paying with the actual customer and not getting caught up with um, going anywhere they want us to go. Mm. So they have a lot of attractive loads on their load board. However, you could uh, go start at Atlanta they go up to PA, but they want you to go from PA over to Washington and, and be basically stuck with getting cheap freight back. Mm. So we had to take more control on understanding like, okay, yeah, if we're going to rock with Amazon, we got to know um, what areas we can stay within when right. it comes to them and not just, you know, just run wild. Because again, with my previous trucking experience, I knew I didn't like to run wild. So I would resonate more and be able to speak to the driver more if we were kind of on the same page. And so um, I never wanted to wear out my drivers, so I never wanted them to run wild at all. And I still wanted us to make good money. So we focused on um, uh, that equal balance of keeping them closer to home and also making good on the back end. Got you. Do, did you, do, do they uh, kind of dictate the loads that are available or are you able to kind of find ways to kind of pick what you want, like working within the Amazon network? Um, they'll dictate it to a certain extent because there's sections, there's companies that have been with them longer and right. they get access to other freight versus those who haven't been with them longer and they get access to that right. particular freight. Right. And of course, that's going to be more so the bottom feeder lane, right. you know. So we knew that, okay, if we stuck with them, we needed to see some results fairly quickly but the results wasn't coming as fast and so by the time my partner ended up getting out of prison and he came home we had four trucks and he could hop in whatever one he wanted to and we was from there he takes the dispatching side with strategic planning for the dispatch side and I take the operational side and we we come together on that aspect and we make it happen right now from there and what we decided was we were going to go and um, break away from Amazon just because we knew the wear and tear over the long term and waiting on them wasn't pretty much guaranteed. So we decided to take it into our own hands and find our own customers back out on the free board. Got you. And how's that been going? Man, it's been going because um, we found a niche and we've been rocking out with this customer since the pandemic started. Mm. And luckily, and blessed, I'm blessed and highly favored that we haven't had any down weeks. And we also credit that to having pretty good equipment, you mm. know, keeping it on the road. Gotcha. Can you share that niche? Yeah. So with that niche, 
we pretty much fo focus on household goods, mm. household goods, and um, we stay in the drive-in sector and we stay in the southeast. So um, this customer, they help us to stay within Florida and go up through Georgia, um, Alabama, and go over to Mississippi. So that's all we run. Got it's you. Just that. And how'd you find them? On DAT. On the board. Yep. On and the then board. you just developed a relationship with them. Yes. You ran a few loads, and then you guys. They did a good job, and they're like, hey, you got any more assets or whatever? That's kind of how it worked out? Yeah, pretty much. That's how it worked out. Um, and they also give us a, a, a wider range with negotiation. Mm. With Amazon, we couldn't negotiate. It was like, what we give you is that's it. That's all you could take. Right. But with him, with our, um, with our partnership with this customer here, they help us, and they help us grow. They, um, we communicate our numbers and we tell them what we need in order to continue to do business and operate. So we have more of a voice. Right. Do you work with any other uh, customers like that? Mm, we have two of them like that. Okay. Um, in one, the same niche? It's, it's, it's the same niche, yeah. but it's uh, a different lane. Okay. So it'll go up to like Virginia and back. Okay. So constantly going up to Virginia and back. And that's delivering actually to the White House. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. You need you need special clearances for that? Yeah, that's kinda a high level. Can't talk about it. <laughs> <The rest. laughs> Next question. We, we talk about that. <laughs> All right. No problem. <laughs> no more. Just stop right there. <laughs> Alright, cool, cool, cool. So we have a cu couple customers. You got you got uh Joe Biden as a customer, you got the <laughs> You got you got the uh, the 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 housing stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. So now you guys kind of branched out. Yeah. Um, you're doing your own thing. Yeah. You still use the load board at all? Or are you kind of just strictly focused on those customers? No, we'll use the load board sometimes. When do you have to use it? Um, when like when the weather got bad and mm. our customer kind of dried up with that snow mm. out there. Mm. So it was snow over in Mississippi. So we wasn't moving as much. So that's when we hop back on the load board. But man, they they pay so well. It's like we can deadhead from Florida all the way up there to pick it up and bring it right back and wow. not have to pick up a load going up there. We can, wow. my drivers literally do like three loads a week. That's amazing. How, 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 how are you doing with drivers in, in this uh, driver shortage? Because it's hard to find good drivers. Oh, How man. do you retain them? How do you get them? How do you retain them? And I, I, I would say to all investors, please get your CDL because you could talk a different language to a driver. You understand what a driver goes through. You know what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I credit that, you know, all to my previous experience and Chris's previous experience with being a driver. So I'm able to talk their language. I'm able to cater to them in a different kind of way. And I also incorporate our asset management to where we're checking on them throughout their routes. We're making sure they have what they need in order to deliver. Mm. We're making sure that they're getting paid what they what we say we're gonna pay them. Cause it's it's you'd be surprised that a, a lot of drivers are complaining about their pay. You know, they're not getting paid what they were promised. Right. And so we rather sh we rather start them out as paying at the top. You know, regardless of what type of experience they have, we start them out paying at the top. And they just prove themselves from there, whether they stay on or get off. But we got it so sweet, you want to stay on. You're only doing three loads. <laughs> right, right, No right. touch, no right. nothing. And the routes are flat. Right. Flat, no right. hills, no mountains, no nothing. Wow. So we just speak their language and we communicate that and be as transparent as possible. Do, when you're recruiting, is that like what you kind of put in your messaging out there? Like when you're like whatever you use Indeed or Craigslist, how do you how do you find your drivers? Word of mouth. Word of mouth. It's word, of word of mouth. mouth, right? Yep, word of mouth. I tell people that all the time. It's the best way to find drivers, word of mouth. Mm -hmm. and, and those drivers will find you other drivers mm -hmm. in and most cases, right? Yep. Just the word travels. Yep, it does. It's, and if you're treating them right, the yeah. word it will travel. Yeah. It will. No so. doubt. No doubt. So um, now you have this dedicated lane, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you're working. You, you're, you're working within a niche, which is always dope. I always say the niches, the, the riches are in the niches, mm -hmm. right? So, so tell me about that. How does your company grow from there? Yeah. So from there, um, we just stay consistent with running this, running this freight. And I tell you, from the month of March all the way up to man. To November we've had crazy growth mm. and our income has just skyrocketed to the point where we're pushing out at least a hundred thousand a month 
we just hit that threshold of a hundred thousand a month mm. and that's what I wanted to express because a lot of people don't know about how dedicated lanes can really change your life and your business you know chasing chasing one lane that's paying this much then the next week chasing this lane because it's paying this much you got to be consistent with the numbers mm. and that's what I learned back when I was in the accounting department every single day I learned to look at those numbers and pay attention to what's really driving it and so understanding that okay it's during the virus fuel is down my trucks two trucks will do 1100 in fuel you know that's like 550 a piece in fuel which is great fantastic right. low right so now we're focusing on our bottom line well our top line and making our revenue even higher at this point so um once we got that customer it was just all the way uphill from there and mm. so we grew from four now we're at 10 trucks mm. four yeah. to ten yeah so uh capacity grew yeah so you had to get some some more trucks to handle that capacity yes so you 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 just now said some important things you just now talked about uh you know looking at your bottom line looking at your numbers you mm -hmm. said fuel was down mm -hmm. you know so you had to kind of take advantage what take advantage take advantage of what was going on yes right Yes. Um, what were some of the other things that you're looking at in your business and, and, and that, that dedicated lane mm -hmm. contributed to, to, to help your business? Like just break, break some of the other things down that you look at. I looked at the weight on the fuel, on the truck. Mm. So the weight on the truck can also contribute to the fuel consumption. Mm. So don't think that you move in a heavy load, 43,000 pounds, 44, and it's paying X of dollars make sure you account for the extra fuel you're going to use that's why it could be paying that extra because you're going to use extra in fuel so our our niche also affords us to only carry light loads we don't carry anything over ten thousand pounds mm, got you yeah and you. it's less wear and tear so our trucks stay moving when rarely in the shop got you and and also your drivers know where they're going all the time right? yes consistent routes yes so it's less likely that they'll get bear off somewhere maybe get an accident or something like that yes you know what I mean because it's the same lanes all the time yes that's dope so now you've grown to 10 10 trucks from four in, in a period of how long uh, like six six seven months nine nine Mm -hmm. And how did you purchase those trucks? What, what what did you do? So we do auction. That's the main thing. Auction. Auction. Okay. Yep. Auction. And we also bought on two more investors. Okay. So they have a truck. What 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 made you go auction? I had to. Man. Mm. So did you know anybody? Do you know somebody who's used the auction before? Or? No, I've never met anybody who used the auction. Um, it just came off of research and um also off of just seeing like okay we're we're researching the market at this point so once i started researching and we're it, it really came off a whim so i was in at this time i was in like virginia and i think my partner was like in texas or something we was doing something and so we were in two different places but he called me up he's like hey you looked at what's going on in the market so i was like hey what's going on man so i opened it up and i'm like Dang, these are these really selling for this? Right. So like, day caps was going for like twelve thousand mm. dollars, and and nice twenty sixteen was going for like eighteen thousand dollars. I'm like, what? So we ended up just starting the bid right along with them, and I'm reading through really quick, and we had already done our previous research to know that they visually inspect these and start them up, crank them, moving them around, and they get to it on understanding what's going on mechanically with these trucks. So we was like, hey, let's just go ahead and bid. So, man, the first truck, that thing went for like 16. Mm. Then boom, the next truck, 18. And this is like, mind you, this is a 14 and a 16. Right. So that's amazing yeah. on the numbers. Yeah. So we're saving again with the truck purchases. Yeah. You know, not having notes also contributed to us keeping a lot of money in too. So that'll help you understand like notes can be a detriment as well. Did you did you purchase the trucks all at the same time or like how, yeah. how just all like six trucks all at one time? Oh no 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 <laughs> gradually <laughs> How money y'all making over no. there? Jesus. Actually, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm 
Jesus. What's going on? I'm doing no. those, man. You know? Take one of them. One of them, too. No. Yeah, wrap no. those up for me. Right. And we don't have to have the newest truck because right. the 2020 that's sitting next to us at the dock is getting paid the same as our 2014, 2016. So don't get caught up in the years. Right. Don't get caught up in that. So, so how'd, you, how'd you buy them gradually? Because you said you, over like six months, what, like a truck a month? No, two, or, two at a time. Two at a time? Yeah, two at a time. Any reason for two at a time? We always believe that when it comes to trucks, one could pay for the other. So if one's down, the other one is going to pay for that truck mm. so it'll keep running. It'll all pay It'll pay for the bills for the both of them. Gotcha. So buying them two at a time, I would recommend that. Gotcha. What about trailers? Trailers. So right now, we do renting of trailers. Okay. And we also are afforded an opportunity to where we don't have to invest heavily into them because we have a, a direct connect where we do a rent to own with him. Okay. And he, he only requires like a down payment of the truck plus like the first month. Okay. And we we don't purchase the trailers at all. We just do a rent to just own. Rent. Yeah, we rent it until we pay it off because we're not really worried about paying that off quickly. It's all right. Got you. And these yeah. are all vans, right? Yeah, all vans. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Wow. And he he's a brother. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, he's a brother. He lives here yeah. in Atlanta. Do you want to give his information? Yeah, um, Trailer Strong at Trailer Strong. You can check him out. He's really heavy and involved with OTR Capital, but he has to be the um the largest African American um trailer trailer um guy trailer guy within the state of Florida. You got to connect me the with state him. Of Georgia. I, I, I need to have a conversation with him. You should. For sure. You should. For he sure. has a wealth of knowledge. That'd be dope. That'd mm -hmm. be dope. There's another thing that I that I know you're, you're, you're into and you talk about is how to find trucks um, mm -hmm. at the auction. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little about that. What's your experience with finding uh, trucks in the auction? Oh, man. Okay. So when we first started and we gained this investor, so this investor got his trucks from Penske. Okay. Right. So Penske was, man, that process was so long going through it with Penske. Um, they gave us two trucks. We had one for thirty five thousand and the other one for thirty eight thousand dollars. And they we paid a little bit more for them to be at a certain level, premium level. Right. We've had more problems out of those trucks than any of our trucks from the auction. Wow. So and when you say premium level, you mean like spec out? Spec okay. out okay. level. Gotcha. Yeah. They stayed in the shop a little bit longer to be at that right. level. Gotcha. Right? Okay. So um, we've had like cooling issues with these trucks. It's just several different things we had, but it wasn't to the point that they just went down and stayed down. So they're just more so of a. Uh, it felt like the trucks hadn't been kept up before we got them. Okay. But as we got them and started putting a little money into them, now they're back up to par. Okay. But we still had to go over a hump just to get to that level, okay. right? So <clears throat> we, we ended up researching on different ways to find trucks. And so we came across the auctions. And so when you think about the auction, I know when I think about it, I'm like, okay, this is somewhere someone wants to dump their stuff off that they don't want anymore. <laughs> right, right. But it was not like that with this auction. It was professionals. Um, they're professionally inspected. Um, they come from previously maintained uh, major fleets. And all these fleets are looking to do just knowing accounting, they're looking to upgrade their fleet and get another tax advantage. Mm. So that's why they're turning in these trucks and finding a way to sell them in the best and fastest way, most, pro most profitable way is through the auctions. Got you. So this is one specific auction that you guys have uh, been able to identify. Yeah. As opposed to like, like, like you got like Richie Bros and all that, mm -hmm. like, like something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got you. So when you're actually at the auction, what are the what are the tactics? What are the things you're, you're using? I know this is something that you kind of, you have like a course that you sell on how to purchase a truck from the auction. Mm -hmm. Could you give us a little sneak peek of that? Yeah, yeah. So with the auction, you don't have to go to the auction. Okay. You don't have to go. That's a start. You can use your, <laughs> you can use your phone. So you can be literally laying in your bed or if you're a driver and you're over the road, you can literally be over the road bidding, you know, and you can also use what's called um, a priority bid or um, proxy bids, different types of bids to where if you're not able to <clears throat> bid right then and there, you're able to um, bid, place your bid and possibly win from that bid by placing a pre-bid in there, if right. that makes sense. So it's different tactics. And what I like the most about it is you don't have to go 
to the lot, you can read the description because um, the description is so thorough and it's easy for anyone to understand at any, um, at any level. However, you do have to know what type of truck you need. And so that's what I, that's what my course is about is understanding what truck you need for your particular operation mm. because every truck isn't treated the same. Got you. What type of money do you save in uh, by going to an auction as opposed to purchasing from a dealer? Yeah. So with an auction, you're able to get financing. You don't have to have any money saved depending on your credit and your credit profile. But you, you won't necessarily get denied if you have a lower credit score. You will only have to pay more in interest. So um, as it de it really depends on how much you want to spend. So if you want to spend like twenty thousand on a truck, which is possible, all all of the trucks that I've gotten from the auction, I haven't paid over twenty thousand for the truck, and these trucks have given me less issues than my dealer trucks. Mm. So if you want to pay twenty thousand, twenty five thousand for a truck, then you have to put down about ten fifteen percent on to um, like, a like a deposit from like a credit card or something. You put down that deposit just to bid, but you don't have to have that money to, um, to purchase. Mm. So um, you could do the financing to get that money as well as a deposit, or you can, like I said, turn your credit into cash and use it as leverage to start your bidding process until you are able to get the financing. Hmm. Are you able to, you're not able to inspect these trucks at all though, right? They're already inspected the, for you. Okay. And it gives you, and it gives you line by line description and everything is totally on point. Line to, by line. To where you know everything about the lifetime of that truck. Yes. And it comes with a, a guaranteed, um, an assurance guarantee that this is up to spec to what we say it is, or they'll definitely um, come back and uh, revisit that truck with you, either give you your money back or they'll um, fix it, the problem for you. Mm, and you said you've had great experience with, with, with the auction trucks. Yes, because I look for professionally maintained trucks. Mm. Gotcha. Fleet maintained trucks. Are there any particular trucks that you uh, recommend, like brand-wise, over another? Yeah, I recommend um, Volvos. Volvos are pretty um, well. They're they're easier to find their parts versus some other brands. Um, Freightliner is always good. That's a general truck to me, but the Cadillac of the road is that Volvo. It's the smoothest ride of them all, and um, they can pretty much handle um, a lot of different types of freight. You know, so all the way from your light loads all the way up to your heavy loads. But of course, that comes with the horsepower understanding that as well, too. But mm. what I recommend for um, anyone getting started, a Volvo or a Freightliner. Gosh, you does that, uh, does it, whether you're going uh, over the road or local, does that dictate, does it have anything to do with what you choose in the truck? Um, I would recommend a sleeper. Right. A sleeper for if you're staying local or going over the road because there's some times where um, drivers or yourself is sitting at a shipper or receiver and you're not sure how long you're going to be there ever, ever. You don't know how long you're going to be there. So your driver likes to be comfortable or you like to be comfortable. So investing into a sleeper will be beneficial um, for the long term. And I know a lot of drivers that are local that had to go over the road and find freight due to the coronavirus. So it was it was great for anyone who was in position already to have their sleeper and they just went over the road, took their business over the road. Right, is there, in, in the auction, is there anything else that you should just like kind of like look out for? Any uh, pitfalls that people could have? Like if you just give us like one, like mm. make sure you do this when you're at the auction. Mm. Um, when you're at the auction, I would say a couple of things. Uh, make sure you're in the right areas like I would not buy my trucks from down south mm. I, I don't do that at all because it's oversaturated um, there's a lot of people bidding out in this area so I don't focus on any of my trucks in this area and it's heavily populated with trucks um, so don't do that try to go in more rural areas and bid because it'll save you thousands of dollars. And that's how we're able to pay lower market prices because we go to lesser populated areas to bid. Mm. That's interesting, never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Are you able to share like the, the, the name of the auction that you use? Is that, is that the secret sauce? 
That's the secret sauce. <laughs> okay. We can, All right. All right. That's we'll, the we'll, secret sauce. We'll is it like an app or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll leave. We'll, we'll leave that. Listen, <laughs> you want to know about that app? Holla! At, holla! At yes. I, I tried to get it for y'all. I tried to get it for y'all. Yeah. I tried. I mean, but truck paper has one. Truck mm. paper high bid has one. Mm. That's that's one. But that's not the one. See. <laughs> Listen, listen. That's not the one. That's, that's not the good one. That's one but of she, them. But she, but she gave y'all a couple. She I gave, gave y'all a couple. Truck paper. And what's the other one you said? High bid. High bid. Oh, you ain't going to give us the other one? Iron Planet. Check them out. Iron Planet. Yeah. Is there any other one? That's, that's, that's three. Nothing that's, else that you're thinking about that you may want to mention? Listen, oh, don't be greedy. <laughs> don't be greedy. I'm greedy. I got the, they, 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 they depend on me to be greedy. <laughs> All right, listen. Holla at. (laughs) We bring we bringing up stuff that just has nothing to do with it. (laughs) No, you You been awesome. You funny. All right, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Listen, holla at Ash and get the information about the auction. You put together a really dope presentation about all the stuff, right? Where you can go, and also, like you said. Things you need to look out for, things you need to like pay attention to. For sure. Check that out. Where can they find that at? Yeah, they can find it in the link in my bio. Okay. Yep, I have um, a direct link there where you can go check it out on my Instagram at Easy Money Ash at E Z Money spelled the regular way Ash A S H. No doubt. Yep. All right, so listen, we're about to start wrapping it up. It's been real. It's been really dope. Um, what already? Uh, Man, we've been talking for like almost an hour and a half. Oh, man, you dope. You're dope. Emma? Yeah, you're dope. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, well, before we go, you're making me blush over here. <laughs> before we go, I, we have to get your final thought, mm-hmm. right? And that's going to be whether it's something that's like spiritual, entrepreneurial, give some motivation, whatever. Whatever's on your mind. And then lastly, you kind of already did what I usually ask. So just give, let people know where they can connect with you. So you did that. Mm-hmm. So we need a final thought. So I'm going to give the floor to you in three, two, one. Final thought. My final thought would be stay hungry. Always stay hungry. Even though I had different levels of my business that I went through, I stayed hungry. No matter what level, I stayed hungry. Even at this level, I'm still hungry because it's things that I don't know that I will know maybe next year or the year after. But I'm hungry to know, and I'm always a student of the game. So don't think you're going to get out here and just learn everything off of one course, two courses, or off of the first year. You're not. You're not. So just stay open, stay humble, and keep grinding because that next level could be your next big break, which could set you off to the stars. So just stay hungry, and I'll see y'all on the other side. Easy money, Ash. Ashley. <laughs> Listen, Hustle Fam, you know how we do it. If you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Me and Ash, or Ash and I, or Osh and I, are out later. Peace. That was dope. That was dope. Good job. Good job.